This morning we're going to look at John chapter 15, verses 8 through to 24, 18 through to 24, the hatred of the world, hatred of the world. Having previously looked at the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ to his apostles and to us to love one another with a sacrificial love, a doing love as well, we shall now consider the hatred of the world towards Jesus, his apostles and by extension to all who belong to him as his servant. Looking at verse 18 in John chapter 15, we read, If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. In that verse, Jesus was plainly telling his apostles that the world would hate them on account of its hatred towards Jesus. The words me and you show a distinction between Jesus and his apostles, but also they show a connection between them. Jesus and the apostles are very different. Even so, they will be hated by the world because they belong to Jesus. That hatred inevitably extends beyond the apostles and reaches all who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Having said that, the word if, at the beginning of verse 18, makes that hatred conditional. For example, the world would have to know that you are a Christian that you belong to Jesus in order to hate you. One sure way for the world to know is if you proclaim repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Then the hatred of the world towards you is guaranteed. You can have songs of praise on primetime television on Sunday and no one will get mad. Indeed, unbelieving people were, may well hum along to the hymns and the chorus. You can have plastic dolls wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in mangers in school nativity plays. And no one in the audience will object. They will probably laugh if Mary drops the doll on its head. No one will mind. But woe betide anyone who calls on the audience to and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very clear just how much the unbelieving Jews hated Jesus. For example, instead of worshipping him, they accused him of being a glutton, a drunkard, demon-possessed, a Samaritan. The Samaritans were detested by the Jews. The most explicit show of hatred towards Jesus can be seen outside the walls of Jerusalem, where wicked men nailed him to a wooden cross and they crucified him. But that was done in accordance with the foreknowledge of God and it was done that Jesus might take away the sins of all who trust in him. When Jesus hung upon that cross, he was wounded for the transgressions of all who believed. And he was bruised for their iniquities. They have. And such people who believe in Jesus, they have crossed over from hating him to loving him and knowing that they are dearly loved by. And of course, that is the most important thing of Jesus loved you 
and go. Let me emphasize the fact that the hatred of the world towards Christ is not something that just reached the apostles all those years ago. One recent report says that with regards the Middle East, millions of Christians have been uprooted from their homes and many have been kidnapped, killed, imprisoned, discriminated against. The report also highlights discrimination across Southeast Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa and in East Asia, often driven by state authoritarianism. The inconvenient truth the report finds is that the overwhelming majority, 80% of persecuted religious believers are Christians. Open Doors, which is an organisation that reaches persecuted Christians in more than 60 countries, 60 countries, has produced the following figures. Every month, on average, 345 Christians are killed for faith-related reasons. That is a lot, isn't it? Every month. If there's any accuracy in these figures at all, 345 are killed each month. 105 churches and Christian buildings are burnt or attacked. 219 Christians are detained without trial, arrested, sentenced and in prison. So you see, the hatred of the world against Jesus, it reached the apostles, but it's still strong and virulent. Let's read on verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The apostles, they were obviously in the world, but they were not of the world, and that is because they had become citizens of a heavenly kingdom. They had still been in the, un- had they still been in the unbelieving world, they would have quite naturally been loved rather than hated by the world, if they were still of the world. After all, it's perfectly natural to love your own with the filial love that is spoken of in verse 19. A filial love expresses our natural desires and preferences. But it is not the same kind of love that Jesus commanded his apostles to love one another with in verse 12. Let's have a look back at verse 12 and look at that kind of love it's a different love altogether where Jesus said this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you that kind of love comes from a different Greek word it is an agape love which amongst other things means that it is a sacrificial that kind of love is not unknown in the world but it is best seen at the cross of Christ and amongst all true Christians. Note that Jesus said to his apostles, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Applying that to all of you who profess faith in Jesus, when you experience the the hatred of the unbelieving world for Christ's sake, you could of course blame Jesus. After all, he is the one who called you out of the world, to be hated by the world. Blame Jesus. 
when you experience persecution from the world. You could do that. You could blame him for the insults and everything else that you receive that you don't like. But if you really have been chosen and you really have been saved by the grace of God who loved you and who laid upon his own son your sins, your iniquities. If you really have been called to suffer the reproach of Christ, what should you be doing in Jesus and thanking him to be holy without blame? And as a Christian, you have every spiritual, every, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All the things that we considered earlier in our talk on Pilgrim's Progress, the forgiveness of sin, the heavenly inheritance. One day you're going to be with Jesus, see him as he is, and you're going to sing holy, 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 along with the redeemed of God in heaven. You have so much in But for now, the reproach of Jesus Christ. Privilege that is. I hope you can see that. And that you're not hiding. Hiding your light under a bushel. So that nobody knows. And it's your main ambition. With no one saying a nasty word to you. And being horrible to you. As Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Clearly Jesus was talking to uh, his apostles there who succeeded the prophets. But that message must extend to all who belong to Jesus. That that they will experience being reviled, persecuted, people saying all sorts of things about you falsely. because, And you are to rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. The apostles rejoiced when they met with the hateful opposition of the religious Jews after Jesus had ascended to heavenly glory. On one occasion, after they had been beaten, simply because they went around proclaiming the gospel, we're told in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41 that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And that's how it should be with each one of you who belongs to Jesus. Let's have a look at verse 20 now. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. The world is full of people who imagine themselves to be their own masters. When in reality, they are nothing more than slaves, not even servants, but slaves in subjection to the devil, whom the Bible describes as the God of this world and the Prince of this world. When people do as they please, 
in rebellion against God and they do not do what the things that God wants them to do. They are doing the lusts of their father, the devil. They may not realise these things, but this is precisely what people do when they oppose God. They are doing the lusts of their father, the devil. That's how it is with everyone, not just some, but with everyone who is not a Christian and is not bound to Jesus. Having been delivered by God from the devil's dark domain, and that is why this world is in. It's in a terrible mess, this world. It's awful. It really is. And it's because it is a world populated by people who do the lusts of their father, the devil, and they are enslaved. Even Christians cannot claim to be their own master. Jesus is their master, and what a wonderful master he is. One who says to weary sinners, Come unto me, all ye that labour, And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto you. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I've always loved those verses. But particularly so in recent times. The very thought of being yoked. To trust you all know what a yoke is. A big piece of wood that goes round the neck of of, of oxen maybe pulling a cart and they're, they're, they're attached to each other where one goes the other one goes they can't go in opposite directions they're, they're attached to each other Christians are yoked to the Lord Jesus Christ work it out for yourself what that means where Jesus goes you go there's no doubt about that and ultimately you go where Jesus is now that's where he is, having paid the price for sin in heaven. And if you belong to him, if you are yoked to him, that's where you're going. And praise God for that. Isn't it wonderful to be yoked to Jesus? To have him as your master? But what I read there, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. That is a call by Jesus to all who are weary of trying and failing to work out their own salvation. It's a call to people who have become painfully aware of their helpless situation and they have come to recognise that they are slaving away in the... Answering the call of Jesus to come to him means believing in him. Believing that he has fulfilled the law's demands on your behalf in life and in death, by living a life of perfect obedience and being wounded at the cross for your rebellion. Bearing the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ and being his servant means that he is never, ever far from you. So precious. It's infinitely better to be yoked to Jesus who loves his servants than to be chained to the devil who knows nothing about love and who has been called a murderer and a liar by the Lord Jesus. Indeed, the devil is the father of... And those who do not belong to Jesus and a murderer. How sad is that? In verse 20, Jesus said to his apostles, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. 
if they have persecuted me, they will persecute. When you think about it, it stands to reason that a servant, or to be precise, a slave, that's what Jesus is talking about in these verses, can never be greater than his master. And if a person's master is Jesus, and Jesus loves his servant, his slave, Jesus loves his servant, his slave, and Jesus is hated by the world, it follows that the world will not only hate Jesus, but they will hate, the world will hate his servants as well. There's no ifs or buts about it. If you belong to Jesus, you are yoked to him, you will be hated by the world. Or at least you should be. And something is wrong. You don't have to go out looking for it. It will find you. In verse 20, Jesus also said to his apostles, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. To keep the saying of Jesus, what does that mean in the first instance? It must surely mean to be obedient to to hear the gospel message, gospel of Christ, to believe that message and to 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 believe on him, to be obedient to the gospel. That is to keep the saying of Jesus. And from then on it means seeking to live a born again life which is consistent with Bible teaching, with the enabling of the Holy Spirit. However, the reality is that there are many, I believe, not just some, many, the Bible tells me that, many professing Christians who demonstrate that they have little or no interest. You work that out yourself. Someone who claims to be Christian but has no interest. Instead, what they do is they want entertainment or perhaps a few blessed thoughts to make them feel good and to make them feel fuzzy when they come to church. The Apostle Paul spoke of such people when he said to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, see, not the desires of God, but their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. These are people going to church. They're not interesting in the, interested in the sayings of Jesus. They want stories, fables, anecdotes, Blessed thoughts to make them feel warm and fuzzy. Let's have a look at verses 21 to 24. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had, ha- they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for them. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. This is where we get to the crux of the matter. The reason for the hatred of the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles is because people do not know God. That's what it comes down to. 
They don't know God. That takes us all the way back to chapter 1, where Jesus is declared to be the creator. He is declared to be the son of God, who is in the bosom of the father. And Jesus himself declares the father to people. And it stands to reason that if you don't know Jesus, you do not know God. It doesn't make sense to say that I know God, but I'm not interested in Jesus. There's no sense in that at all. Jesus is the express image of God. See God. To know Jesus is to know God. Quite literally. Chapter 1 tells us that Jesus declared his father. Even so, the Jews rejected him. The Jews rejected Jesus and they received him not. What does that mean? It means simply that they did not know God. For all of their religiosity, for all of their worship, their outward shows of uh, religion, they did not. Nothing has changed. All the billions of religious people in the world who do not keep the saying of Jesus, people who reject Jesus, they're, they're religious, but they reject Christ. They do not know the one true God. And the gods that they worship are nothing more than the figment of their vain imaginations and their works of their wicked hands. Likewise, if you are someone who rejects the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all those who faithfully proclaim him, because it's not just rejecting Christ here, it's rejecting those who belong to Jesus, hating Jesus and hating those who belong to then you really do not know God. Don't regard that as being of no great consequence. The eternal consequences are dire for you if you continue to hate Jesus and therefore hate God and by rejecting the gospel of Christ. If you have not done so, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and he will give you not only the right to know God here, but to become God, a son of God, If that's not knowing God, then I don't know what is. Who knows Jesus, who loves him, who is loved by Jesus, is a child of God. Us in here. Amen.